All right, so we are continuing here in our, in our sermon series uh, of the Psalms for the summer. And we are in Psalm chapter 7. If you would turn there in your Bible with me, Psalm chapter 7. <clears throat> Psalms is about the middle of the Bible. It's, it's pretty much right in the middle and maybe a little left of center if you uh, need to know where that is. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one out of the pew rack in front of you. And certainly if you don't have one at home, we uh, would love to have you take that home and, and be our gift to you. So we're, we're looking at another Psalm of David, and uh, this, today's message is, is, a, uh, is called the Cries for Justice. Uh, David in the Psalm is literally crying out for justice, you know, crying out against injustice. And, and you know, we see injustice everywhere, don't we? We see things go wrong all the time in society, and, and, and we, you know, a lot of us have shut off the, the TV and the news, said, I'm, I'm not watching this anymore, right? Because bad things continually happen to good people. And then on the opposite of that, what happens? We see good things and blessing and all kinds of, of reward happen to bad people. So it's like people get away with things that they shouldn't be getting away with. And, and that's kind of, that's injustice that really, really disturbs people, right? And we, we, if it's kind of far off, we, we tend to kind of be okay. Okay, I get it. It happens because we teach our kids this, right? They come, mom, dad, we give them an instruction or, or maybe, you know, we can't do this because they say, that's not fair. And then we respond with, life's not fair, let that be a learning lesson to you. But when we face injustice, we need to understand the same is true for us. Life's not fair. Life is not fair. But David, we see in, in this psalm, David has this progression of a cry for, a cry for justice. And we see how, how his, his heart settles somewhere. His heart is, is in the refuge of God and it settles somewhere as we go through the psalm. And, and I, I think the encouragement for you and I would be that our hearts would also settle where David's heart settled. And that our hearts wouldn't settle in a place that, that the world says it should, right? Yes, should we be angry at injustice? Yes, that's, that's okay to be angry at injustice. But the hope that we have in Christ should give us the confidence and comfort that we need, knowing that one day he'll make all things right. So there's this progression through here, and, and he moves from this intensely personal plea at the beginning of chapter 7. He, he's really personal with God and wanting God to really, really test his heart. And, and then he, he moves moves to this place of conviction that God is actually the judge of all the, all the earth, and both righteousness and wickedness will be judged. And, and he ends this, this amazing psalm, cry for justice, with confident praise in God for who he is. And that's where our hearts should end also. At the end of the day, we have confident praise, knowing and trust that God is in control, that he is on his throne, that he is the Lord most high. Amen. The psalm is listed here as a Shagayan of David. Uh, the Shagayan, right? And I, I've told you before what the secret is to pronouncing words in scripture that are big, long, and kind of intimidating. It is speed and confidence. That's all you need to have, right? Speed and confidence, and you got it. You didn't question whether I knew how to say that, right? Shagayan. I could be chopping that up like crazy, but we get the point, right? The term is a bit unknown, but it carries this, uh, this derivation of a verb that, that means to wander or to stir up. It's certainly a musical note. It's a mu or not a note, but a musical instruction. And so this, this wandering or stirring up, it's thought that a, a shagayan is poetry or a song that, that has taken its form from the overflow of emotion within. So the wandering and stirrings from within overflow to this ecstatic 
worship, this emotional worship. And, and it's not, you know, our, our faith is not led by our emotions, but our praise certainly is, isn't it? We, we get emotional with God, and we see, when you see David crying out or weeping, there's emotions that are being stirred up. So this is one of those songs meant to be one of those, hey, let's get up and sing and dance and sing, and emotion overflow, right? We want, we want God to know that the cry of our heart is here, and, and we're putting everything out on our sleeve. And basically, it's a song that's sung from the gut, right? It's from the gut. You know, I mentioned we talked about prayer a few weeks ago, and I mentioned how at times I'll have my quiet time in my my vehicle, I'll drive around or I'll park somewhere. And if I'm just driving around and maybe my window's down, maybe it's not. But when I'm in prayer, people might stop beside me or I stop beside them and they're like, what is he doing? I'm just talking away to myself. There's no one in the car. I'm talking away to myself and my window's down and I'm praying. There's no music on. So it's just, it's like, this, this is kind of weird, you know. But, but a song sung from the gut can be the same way, right? You ever pull up on somebody right next to a stoplight and their window's down and, and the music is blaring and they are singing at the top of their lungs. Why? Because it resonates with them emotionally from the gut. It stirs something up. And that's what David is, David's psalm is. This is stirred from the gut. I need, to, I need to shout this out. I need to let people know this is how I feel and this is who my God is. So as we read this, that's, that's what we're doing. We're reading it and, and, reading it and putting it uh, to memory from our, from our gut so we can say about God what David says about God. All right? So we are going to be in Psalm chapter 7. We'll read the entire psalm and we'll break it apart. Let's pray first though, okay? Father, it is so good to be here today. It is so good to be with you and your people. God, I pray that you would just give us encouragement and the support and the, uh, the restoring of our heart that we need today. God, that we, we see injustice all around. We know injustice happens. But God, I pray that you would, you would give us a confidence and a, a full faith in you and your ability to be the God of the universe, the judge over all. God, open our hearts and our minds today as we look at your scripture. We ask that you challenge us and convict us and you change us. That's why we're here, Father, to be changed and, and transformed by your word. We want to be conformed more into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. We want to look more and more like him to the world around us. Give us wisdom as we, we go to the word now today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about a cry for justice today. And uh, we're going to look at, look at this progression. So first, number one, a cry for justice requires us to examine our heart. You see, it's one thing that, that we have this injustice happening in the world and we see it and we're like, this really bothers me. But it's completely a different thing when it's against you, isn't it? You see, when it's, when it's kind of removed away from us, oh, it, it hurts and I feel bad for those people. But as soon as it happens to you, it's like, oh, that's what this feels like. This is not fun. I don't, I don't, want, I don't like this. And, and we start to kind of maybe have a pity party for ourselves. Maybe we start to get angry this last week. I had, I had some moments of that where something had happened and kind of an injustice time, and I wanted to call somebody out on it. I was about ready to call him, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not ready. I need to check my heart here because I, I wanted to say things that I should not have said, right? And I didn't. I, I said, you know what, God, let me, let me check myself before I wreck myself. Right? I, want, I, want to, I want you to check my heart. What are my motives? What's going on inside? Yes, it can be personal. Yes, it will be a struggle. Yes, it will be a trial against you. Yes, it will hurt. But it doesn't mean we always respond with vengeance or anger or wrath. The first thing David does is he checks his heart. He examines his heart. Let's look at verse, uh, chapter 7. Oh, we need to read the whole thing together. I didn't do that. We'll read the whole thing, okay? Chapter 7. Lord my God, I seek refuge in you. 
Save me from all my pursuers and rescue me, or they will tear me like a lion, ripping me apart with no one to rescue me. Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have done harm to the one at peace with me, with me or have plundered my adversary without cause, may, my enemy, may an enemy pursue me and overtake me. May he trample me to the ground and leave my honor in the dust. Selah. Rise up, Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my adversaries. Awake for me. You have ordained a judgment. Let the assembly of peoples gather around you. Take your seat on high over it. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity. Let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. The one who examines the thoughts and emotions is a righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who shows his wrath every day. If anyone does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has strung his bow and made it ready. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He tips his arrows with fire. See, the wicked one is pregnant with evil, conceives trouble, and gives birth to deceit. He dug a pit and hollowed it out, but fell into the hole he had made. His trouble comes back on his own head. His own violence comes down on top of his head. I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. I will sing about the name of the Lord Most High. Amen? So this is a, a wonderful emotional psalm from David. And if we're looking at this as a cry for justice, the first thing we see, I told you number one, right, is a cry for justice requires an examination of our heart. We've got to check our motives. So let's go back through one through five and see what that looks like. Lord my God, I seek refuge in you. Save me from all my pursuers and rescue me, or they will tear me, uh, tear me like a lion, ripping me apart with no one to rescue me. Now pause there for a minute. We've read a lot of other Psalms where people were actually physically pursuing David. They were physically pursuing him, wanted to kill him, wanted to harm him. And when we read this, we're like, that seems like it's the same thing's happening. But if we go back up to the title of this psalm, let's read this together. It, it, it says, Psalm 7, a Shagayan of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamin, Benjaminite. So he's, he's not singing this to the Lord concerning his spear, concerning his army, concerning the danger that he may face because he sees him. It's concerning the words that have been spoken about him. See, there was some slander happening. There was accusations happening against David that tested his character and his integrity. And David was shaken at the core of that. So when we read this, verse 1 and 2, it says, Lord my God, I seek refuge in you. we got to understand it's, it's because of the words of Cush. right? I seek refuge in you. Save me from my pursuers and rescue me. Or they, my accusers, the people speaking, or these words, will tear me like a lion, ripping me apart with no one to rescue me. Some of your translations will say that they'll, they'll tear my soul apart, right? It's this, the idea is the inward trouble. It's not that actually physically a lion is going to devour him and, and tear him apart. It's that his accusers and the evil one, the ultimate deceiver, is having a field day with his soul, with his heart. We feel that, don't we? We, we know that. We know what it's like to be shaken at the core of who we are because of something somebody said about us, because of an accusation somebody made against us. And what David does, he says, I seek refuge in you, Lord. So what's a, what's a great thing to do, by the way? You know, when someone accuses me of doing wrong, if I'm really doing something wrong, 
Like my, my daughter does this all the time, right? And your kids probably did, and I know I did. My daughter will hit my son or, or do something wrong, and my son will start running to the front door, and I can hear what's going on. Wait, wait, Wesley, wait, wait. You know, don't go. Wait, let's talk. Let's talk this out. You know, because she's done something. She's actually done something wrong. She's not going to run to me as a refuge. My son's running to me as a refuge. She wouldn't run to me as a refuge because she knows she's done something wrong. David runs to God as a refuge because he knows in his heart, he's like, this is not how I am. These people say something about me, but that's, that, I don't think that's true of me. So I need, to, I need to run to God and say, God, straighten me out here. Help me understand what, what is true and, and who I really am. So he runs actually wanting to have God examine his heart. Look at verses 3 through 5. Lord my God, he's addressing God. If, there's three ifs here, if I have done this, what they have said, right? If there is injustice on my hands, if I have done them harm or, or done harm to the one who uh, is at peace with me. He wants to know. Or if I've plundered my adversary without cause, may an enemy pursue me and overtake me. May he trample me to the ground and leave my honor in the dust. Selah. Right, in that Selah, remember, that's that pause where we have to really think about what has just been said. And that's, what, that's, the, that's the introspective thing we're doing. As we examine our heart, when we have an injustice happening against us, we have to go to God and say, God, check me, help, help, me, help me check out what's going on here. Is this selfishness that I feel? Is it? Because, listen, you and I love comfort. We love to be comfortable. We love to be at peace with people, or at least quasi-peace, as long as it's not stated that something's wrong. We, don't wanna, we avoid conflict, right? That's, that's who we are. That's what we do. But, but down deep, we can get pretty disturbed when those things come in, right? And sometimes they're, they're worthwhile. Sometimes good conflict, like if someone's kind of offering you a, a, re, a little rebuke about something you did, that could hurt, and you might be like, oh, I don't, I'm not like that. Well, maybe you are. Maybe we need to pause and say la a little bit. And see, is there anything wrong inside of me? Have I done something wrong here? And that's what David does. He offers himself to God, I'm there, and, and my honor is one that's in question, but if, if I've done questionable things with my honor, then let's leave it in the dust behind. I, I don't, that's not who I want to be. David was a man after God's own heart, right? He wanted to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he wanted to, to be upright with God. So he went to him to examine his own heart. So we understand the context here. This, this title shows us that it was concerning the words that, that, that were spoken about him, this, this inside turmoil that was happening with David. He felt like he was being ripped apart on the inside, that there was an enemy, right, that wanted to devour him. Sound familiar? Turn to 1 Peter. Keep your ribbon here, but turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, towards the, towards the back of the Bible, almost all the way to Revelation. 1 Peter, chapter 5. This has a great progression here, too, and, I, and it, it gives us this idea in the New Testament of how, how God is our refuge also and what he's going to do for us as we humbly submit to him and let it, let's examine our own hearts. So we're 1 Peter, chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 6 and read through 11. All right, this is that heart examination. It starts out in verse 6 of chapter 5. Humble yourselves. Oh, well, that right there, right? We can't go before God proud. Like David went, he humbled himself. Said, God, I, you need to figure me out. What's going on? Help me, help me see. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Not somebody else, but God. So that he may exalt you in the proper time. Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. See, we have these cares and these worries and these struggles. And we need to cast them on the Lord. Verse 8, be sober-minded, right? Be alert. 
This is, again, examining, be alert, what's going on around me, what's going on inside of me, be alert. Why? Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring, what? Lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Sound familiar? Yeah. See, Satan is out there wanting to sink his teeth into us and into our heart, into our soul, and grab it and just shake it like a rag doll and leave it for dead. That's what Satan wants to do with our soul. That he wants to, to give us that turmoil. Now, for those of you who, who don't have a faith in Christ and, and, and haven't believed the gospel, he, he's going to get your soul for good. For those of us that do have a faith in Christ and have believed the gospel and, and Jesus has, has become our righteousness, Satan still wants to shake us up. Satan's still going to try to, to mess with us. right? And, and just like David, we got to run to God and say, God, what, what do I have to do? Let's, let's go on here. In verse 9, what do we do? Well, we resist him. Firm in the faith, right? Firm in the faith of God. It says, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Listen, the injustices happening to you right now are not foreign. They happen to everybody, often. It's not the first time we've experienced this. It won't be the last time we experience it. There are, there are persecutions and injustices happening every moment all around the world. Right? So we stand firm, knowing that it's not just us. We're not alone in this fight. And now what does it say in verse 10? The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, here's what he does. What is God going to do for you and I? When we stand firm in the faith, when we're alert, when we're ready to be devoured, what is he going to do? It says, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Ooh. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Now listen, he's going, to, he's going to restore, establish, strengthen, and support. You know, when, when you get a heart checkup, isn't it great when you come out having been restored? Like, like, okay, if there was something wrong, now it's put back right the way it was. Well, I'm restored or established, right? Firmly planted, rooted. That's what we need when we're shaked up, when we're shaken by life. We need to be solid again, right? Established. And then there's this support that comes up and strength that comes up and offered by Jesus. He gives us that strength. That's what he does. So, so for you and I, if we're crying out injustice, injustice, when we cry out for justice, we have to start saying, I, I, need, I need to examine my heart. I need to be strengthened here. I need to be restored here. I need to make sure what's going on here is right. We may shake, right? We may shake. But God never moves. Amen? And what Peter's encouraging us is to be sober-minded and alert, to check ourselves, to humble ourselves, to stand strong in the faith. And, and he tells us that then God will restore. And God will establish. And God will strengthen. And God will support you and I in our time of need. Amen? That's our God. That's why he runs to God as the refuge. Number two, a cry for justice knows that righteousness will be defended. Now go ahead and flip over back over to Psalm 7 if you haven't. A cry for justice knows, right, that righteousness will be defended. Let's look at passage, the passage here, 6 through 11 together. Rise up, Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my adversaries. Awake for me. You have ordained a judgment. Let the assemblies of people gather around you. Take your seat on high over it. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me or clear me, Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity. 
Let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. The one who examines the thoughts and emotions is a righteous God. My shield is with God who, save, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who shows his wrath every day. So he cries out to God and saying, listen, rise up. And, and I think there's this time in our life we, we get tired of this injustice, right? We get tired of seeing it. We get tired of feeling it. We're like, Why, when will it end? When will it stop? And we get weary sometimes, right? And it's, it's tough. And, and David here, like us, sometimes thinks, is, is God asleep? Is he asleep at the wheel here? Is he far off? Like, look at the, the verbiage he used. He says, rise up, Lord. Like, God, get up. Do something, right? That's what he's kind of saying here, right? He goes on, he says, lift yourself up against the fury of my adversaries. And then he says, awake for me. Awake, which means what? David thinks he's asleep. And listen, I, I know that there's lots of time and lots of prayers that go out there in the middle of your persecution, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your struggle, right in the middle of the injustice. And you feel like, God, are you even listening to what I'm saying? Do you even hear me? And we have to, we have to know he does. He does hear you. And this, this little while, like in, in Peter said, after we suffered a little while, it, it's for his glory and for our own good and for the good of those around us, that they would see him exalted. We have to understand that. We have to know that. We have to believe that God, even when he appears to be silent or asleep, is still at work around us. And that righteousness will be, uh, the righteous will be delivered. I know all the struggles in the world are tiresome and we can grow weary, but God is still listening and he's not sleeping. Turn to Psalm 121. We'll come back to Psalm 7. Psalm 121, just a little more to the right there. <clears throat> I guess that's how math works. It counts higher, right, from 7 to 121. It's a short psalm, so you didn't know you were going to get two for one today, right? We'll read the whole psalm, Psalm 121. And, and David says these things out of this emotional stirring inside of him. Like, wake up, God, where are you? Rise up, let's get this thing going. But let's see how he, how he really feels or how the psalmist really feels here in 121. Let's, let's see what attitude we really should have about God. And, no, and knowing this will bolster our faith, right? Psalm 121, 1 through 8, says this. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or what? Or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. Where is he? Right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night without him knowing, right? The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. There's an amen there, right? He is not far off. He is right there. The sun can't come up and the moon can't come up without him being right there with you. All day, every day, he's there. He's right there by your side. And he is the one who is in and at work in and through us. Will it feel comfortable all the times? Not at all. This life is not comfortable. This life is not about peace. Right? Jesus came and he was crucified on a cross. So the peace that we could have and know would not just be a peace inside, but an eternal peace one day with him forever. Amen? That's what we're looking forward to, is the hope 
of the glory of God in eternity. We'll have struggles and we'll have victories even here. God will still, there are plenty of times in your life and you know it. You know, we're in the middle of a trial right now and it doesn't feel like God's ever come through for us. Really? Has God really never come through for you? Like we, we think that though, don't we? In the middle of a trial, in the middle of a persecution, in the middle of a stress or in the middle of an injustice, we think, oh, I don't know where God is. He's sleeping. He's just been sleeping my whole life. Mm, I don't think so. Let's examine your whole life. Let's see where God wasn't sleeping. Let's see where he spared you or protected you or encouraged you or supported you, where he restored you, where he drew you to himself that you would believe and he gave you the faith and grace necessary to believe the gospel. That's our God. And he is with you every day. He's not distant or oblivious to what's going on with you. He's got your back. He's got your back. You know, I, I talked to a friend this week who's just going through a rough time in his job and role, and uh, he, he, he just, a lot of pressure, a lot of people saying negative things about him, and he and his wife were struggling with it, and, I, and, and he, he wanted to talk about it, and I said, I told this to him, and it, I want to say this to you because it's important to understand um, that there are people, and what they say, that really, the things they say don't matter, right? This is what I told him. I said, it doesn't matter what the people who don't matter say. It doesn't matter what the people who don't matter say. Now, I'm not saying there are people that don't matter, right? Everyone matters to God. God loves everybody. They have value because they're created in, in his image. But for you and I, it's an encouragement that we would gather for ourselves a group of people around us that care for our heart and our soul. And that those people would matter to us and what they say to us and about us would matter to us. Amen? And now everybody else outside of that circle, whether their, their intentions are good or not good, it doesn't matter. I, I may be like, oh, I'll reflect on that in a minute. Eh, no, my, my buddy wouldn't say that. My friend who knows me, the one that really matters, the one that would speak truth and life into my life, the one who would even call me out on the carpet if necessary, they wouldn't say that. I, I'm good. Not only does God have your back, we would have people around us that have our back and would encourage us. And not only have our back, at times they have our backside, right? We need to shape up a little bit. That's okay. But I don't need... To let it, I don't need to let the words of people that, that aren't in that circle, that aren't trusted, that don't really matter, affect me like they do. We're so easily affected by people around us. Psalm 17, 2 and 3 says this, Let my vindication come from you, God, for you see what is right. Right? God sees what is right. You, you know in your heart, I didn't do this. I didn't say this. I'm not like that. Guess who else knows that? God. So our vindication, our clearing, our, our, our defense would come from him. It says, you see what is right. In verse 3, it says, you have tested my heart. You have examined me at night. You have tried me and found nothing evil. That's what happens when we lay ourselves down humbly before him. We say, God, examine my heart, test me and try me. And, and all these people say these things, but that doesn't matter. You've got my back. You'll clear me. And that's, that's the hope we have. When we cry for justice, we know that one day righteousness will be defended. Because on the, uh, here's the deal. God's silence doesn't mean he's absent. He's always, always with you. And how you and I patiently endure suffering or injustice is meant to be for the glory of God in us and through us. And, and here's the other truth of this. As we cry out for justice, as we hurt, as we have pains, as we start to worry about what other people think, we have to understand this. God has not given you over or handed you over to those people to be judged and condemned. 
God is still your judge. They aren't the ones that have the final say. We're not going to get in a room of all those people and let them, let them bash you. We're going to get in a room before the throne of God, and he's going to be the final judge. Amen? For those of us who say amen, we know that his righteousness now covers my guilt and my crud, because otherwise I'm dead meat. But I get to stand before him. God has not given us over to be condemned by the words of man. God has not allowed your enemies to sit on his throne. Do you understand that? We get so wrapped up, like, oh, that's the final thing. That's the final say. They said this, and it's just, it's going to be who I No, that's not the final say. They don't get to have that position in your life. God sits on his throne, and they cannot separate you from the love of God either. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And because we are in Christ, and we are found in Christ, and we, we are now guiltless because of Christ, the judge will hear your case, and he will clear you of all guilt. Isn't that great? One day you'll stand before the judge and he'll say, not guilty. You're covered. You're justified. The blood has come to your defense. Welcome home. Welcome home. Righteousness will be defended. Number three, well, the opposite of that is true as well. When we cry out for, for justice, we have to know that not only will righteousness be defended, but evil will be judged. Evil will be judged. Those bad guys, they're going to get it. Those ones that you think never have anything like consequences to their life or their actions, there will be a day where they will be judged. Let's read the next part of the passage, 12 through 16 together. Oh, I've got to turn back there. If anyone does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has strung his bow and made it ready. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He tips his arrows with fire. Oh, man. There's judgment, right? There's judgment right there. You see, the wicked one is pregnant with evil, conceives trouble, and gives birth to deceit. He dug a pit and hollowed it out, but fell into the hole that he had made. His trouble comes back on his own head. His own violence comes down on top of his head. There is judgment coming. And listen, we may see people who are digging holes for everyone else to fall in, and that's part of this life. And they may be, may be using people and abusing people in order to get ahead in their own life. And as they are digging those holes, as they are, they are ruining other people's lives, they are there at the same time burying themselves in their own coals. The condemnation is falling on them. In this life, they may never ever feel the heat of that. But one day they will because they've rebelled against God. There is a real judgment coming. God, God is holy and pure and, and altogether righteous. And we are not and because he is holy and pure and he is just, he has to punish sin. It would be unjust of God to just let it go. That's not a holy, pure God. That's not a just God. He has to punish sin. But he, he loves us and created us in his image. He wants us to be with him forever. So he carried out the justice that you and I deserve and the wrath that you and I deserve. And he carried it out on Jesus Christ on the cross, didn't he? See, when Christ took that place on the cross... He wasn't dying there because he had done something wrong. He was dying there willingly, laying down his life for you and I because the wrath of God had to be just. Sin had to be paid for. So Jesus paid it in full. And that means you and I can turn away from our own attempts to reach God 
we turn away from our own sin that we're holding on to, that the pleasures of the world that, that we care so much and too much about. We can let it all go and empty ourselves, coming before him with nothing, saying, God, I, I only hunger and thirst for what you offer. I can only be filled by the righteousness of Christ, and I need that now. And he does it. He's ready. The bow is ready. The sword is ready. One day he'll come back riding on a horse with a sword out of his mouth, and it's going to be too late. But he puts that down for you and I and says, here, let me take my robe off. Let me take this righteousness off, and let me wrap it around you. Because you have come to me empty and you have believed the gospel. You believe that I am the only one who can save. And he wraps us up in his righteousness. That's what repenting means, right? We repent and believe and he wraps us in his righteousness. <clears throat> that we wouldn't be judged and condemned. But there are so many of those who rebel against God, right? And ultimately, those who rebel against God, the wicked, the evil, they are just heaping coals on their own head in their life. And they may get away with it for now. They may get away with it for now because that's just the world, right? Life's not fair. But they won't get away with it forever. There will be justice. I know we want it now. But God will give us justice one day. Finally, when we cry out for justice, the final progression we see in David's heart, right? He's run to this refuge. <clears throat> he, was, he was wrecked. He was ready to be devoured on the inside. The soul was just shaken to the core. And he ran to God as a refuge. Let him, let him judge the thoughts and attitude of his heart. Let him be restored and strengthened and supported and encouraged. And then he, then he realized and had that faith that, you know what? The righteous will be vindicated. The wicked will be judged. And after he was done with that, he was good. What did he do? We see that when we cry for justice, we celebrate God's righteousness. We celebrate God's righteousness. Let's look at verse 17. <clears throat> I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. I will sing or I will sing about the name of the Lord Most High. You know, the one who was treated poorly, who was slandered in all kinds of different ways, the slandered has become the one that's now singing the praises of God because of God's righteousness, because of God's justice. And you and I should do the same thing. We know life's not fair, but we also know that we have, we have received Christ's righteousness and we didn't deserve that. We did it. it. It was received in his grace and through his grace from what he's done on the cross. And we have everything, everything to sing about. So he sings about God's covering us. God's got our back. God's covered us in his righteousness. And he also sings, he says, I will sing about the name of the Lord Most High. He is still the God of the universe. He is still the God of the universe and we know and have confidence as we cry out for justice that justice will be served. Amen? All right, let's stand and worship and pray. <clears throat> Father, we are so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you have given us Christ to take the place on the cross that we deserve. God, we're so gracious that... that he, the justice and the, and the consequence and the penalty that we deserved, that he took that for us. That we could be right with you. We could be restored and that with your righteousness we could stand before you pure and holy because we're in Christ. God, I know there's all kinds of things that come, come about and all injustices and, and hardships and struggles. And God, I, I pray as we face those that we would always examine our own heart to make sure that 
that it's not just a comfort thing for us, but we'd examine our heart and make sure that, that we are still upright and standing before you in obedience. And God, that we, we would have confidence that as you, as you bring restoration to our heart, as you bring support and encouragement, we would have this, this firm faith knowing that, God, one day all the righteous will be vindicated. They'll all be defended. They'll all be cleared. And God, one day all the wicked will be judged and they'll get what's coming to them. And God, we long for, for the wicked to repent and, and to know your grace and life in Christ because it's, it's what's worth singing about. So God, may we worship you fully because of your righteousness and because you are the God of the universe. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.